What's up, guys? Welcome to an all-new episode of Convos on the Pedicab. I am here with the number five jujitsu guy in the world, Kyle Bohm. Uh, before we get started, we got to give a uh, quick shout-out to our sponsor, uh, 10th Planet Austin, 10PATX. Get woke and improve your jujitsu at the same time. You know, there's a lot of civil unrest going around. Um, our city decided to defund their police department. There's really no better... Uh, time than now to learn an essential self-defense to protect yourself in any and all situations. We have jiu-jitsu classes taught by yours truly, Kyle himself. We also have a wonderful Muay Thai and MMA program taught by uh, Andrew Craig, a uh, former UFC fighter. So we got a great gym. We got a great community. We got great people. Uh, we're right across the street from the Ana gym. We have phenomenal supplements there. Um, we have strength and conditioning done by uh, Isik, the Viking ninja, like literally the best way to avoid... Uh, getting COVID, the best way to um, keep your sanity, the best way to really, uh, you know, learn how to feel confident in protecting yourself in these difficult and trying times. Come to 10th Planet Austin, 10 PATX. We're on 35 and 71. Uh, anyway, we got Kyle Bohm. Kyle, thank you for showing up, man, for coming out here. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. You know, I was, I was a little scared, honestly. Um, you know, it took a while for Kyle to get here, and I thought that Kyle was going to stand me up, to be honest. I, I felt like I was, like, on Tinder all over again, you know, but I'm, I'm glad you're here, Kyle. Yeah, me as well. Yeah. So, so tell us a little bit about yourself. <laughs> I mean, I'm just not to put you on the spot, you know, just uh, how do you get started in jiu-jitsu? A uh, roommate of mine was uh, taking classes with somebody who was a boxer, and I started training in boxing first, actually, and then got into MMA and then eventually got into jiu-jitsu. And so you you you're a pretty uh, I did a little research on you. You're you're a pretty high level athlete all your life, right? Like you're a pretty you're a, a renowned climber, I think. Yeah, I was a really good rock climber when I was younger. That's kind of my my first sporting interest, like 9 years old probably. Started in rock climbing. Went through high school, played a bunch of different sports in middle school and high school, then played a little bit of rugby in college and finally found my way to MMA. And it you just clicked, right? Uh, with jujitsu jiu and yeah, it just clicked. Yeah, it was something that that I had natural talent for. Yeah, and you, how many MMA fights have you had, if, if any? Three. three you had three. Now. Three. Of course, you're three now, right? Were they amateur or pro? Uh, Amy. Amy. How how'd you get your wins? Two rear naked chokes and the first round, first minute, and then a unanimous decision for the third one. Nice. Well, congratulations. Um. So anyway, Kyle actually just moved here. Um, he moved from California right before the pandemic or right during the pandemic, right? It was during the pandemic. It was the middle of May. Middle of May. So yeah, like right during the, the heat of the pandemic, Kyle picked up, left California. Where were you teaching at in California? 10th Planet Oceanside. Okay. So you left Cal What was the reason for leaving California and moving to Austin? I've been thinking about moving to Texas for years. Okay. But things just got expedited when all of the pandemic lockdowns and uh everything that took place with that started happening yeah how did you feel about that like initially when all the stuff started like going down what was your like what was your initial hot take on the lockdowns and on this covid stuff while it was happening here 
while it was happening here being just the U.S. Just, just the U.S., like, yeah, just, like, when, like, in March, when it all started happening, it was, like, kind of new to us. Uh, well, initially, I was thinking that they were going to do one that could be really deadly, but then it turned out that it wasn't deadly at all. No. Yeah. Yeah, I, um, so I, I didn't really pay attention too much. I thought this was something that was happening in China. It was contained to their borders, that this wasn't really leaving China. I, my take was this will probably like hurt us in terms of getting products because we have a lot of stuff that's manufactured in China and it can mess up like our supply chain and whatnot. And we should be more manufacturing independent because of it. Um, and then as they were starting to, as it was starting to get to America and there was all this COVID hype, like starting to like dominate the news cycles. I started reading articles too that were sporadically printed out about how like 50,000 people already recovered from the virus in China. And I'm like, wait a minute. If 50,000 people already recovered from COVID, why is everybody freaking out about this? It, it, it started to not add up. Hmm. Yeah, well, I think that uh, you've just got to look at the source that the info is coming from. And I had already known about the WHO and the CDC long before any of the pandemic stuff started. So when they were the ones that were putting out all of the statistics and then coupled that with Bill Gates, who's the big owner of the WHO, big percentage owner, who's also done his TED Talk five years before and his five preferred books talking about how to lie with statistics. And then he's the one who's behind or a major player behind the who. Um, and then he's also done a Ted talk talking about the, uh, the um, contagion being the big, the, the thing that could be the most, the most deadly, you know, wipe out the most people yeah. five years earlier. So all, all those things together, it seemed pretty obvious that it was planned. So, well, something doesn't definitely doesn't add up. Did you see the event 201 videos, Kyle? Um, I've, I've seen some videos on that. So I watched probably about 80% of those videos and they were literally congr giving congratulations before this even started to the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation for setting all of this up at Event 201 and they were simulating a global pandemic that, that well, it, their version occurred in South America, but it was a coronavirus pandemic that spread throughout the world. And it's been kind of taking place to a T. A lot of, a lot of what's happening has been taking place almost to a T. Um, and they praised the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation for helping set up this, um, this drill. And then, um, like three months later, all of a sudden COVID hits in China. And then remember in January, all the specials on Netflix, it was like contagion and like outbreak. And there were like a bunch of pandemic type movies that had, and there was a Bill Gates documentary that was like on Netflix, right? in the summer of 2019 there was like it just seemed very odd how things were being set up on television to like gear ourselves for a pandemic that happened to conveniently have occurred you know months later yeah that makes sense i i haven't been on netflix in a while but i could see that dropping <laughs> propaganda just to like get you ready for yeah it, it, it's odd um and another thing that's kind of odd about bill gates is that he um He's hung out and he's hung out and taken numerous pictures with Jeffrey Epstein after he got out of jail. Yeah, and he never gave an explanation for that either. Never gave an explanation. He's flown with him multiple times. And um, 
what else? Jeffrey Epstein was helping to advise him financially in terms of his charities dealing with uh, third world countries and giving vaccines in third world countries. Yeah, well, Bill Gates is a known eugenicist. I mean, <laughs> well, I mean, we don't have to pretend like we don't know, know that. We're not going down to the Bill This guy is funding Planned Parenthood. Um, his father was a eugenicist as well. Do you, what do you know about his father? His father was a deep state player, to my knowledge, who took over Starbucks and a bunch of other companies and was kind of running them from the shadows. Um, his wife, her father was uh, like a DARPA guy, I believe, or like military intelligence or something like that. Melinda Gates' father. Really? Yeah. Do you know anything more about him? Or no, um, there's some, one side of the family is involved in central banking. I know that. I think it might be Melinda's side. Interesting. But they both have. Uh, look, I'll put, I'll put it to you this way. Like, I don't <clears throat> trust that guy. And I think that there's a lot of, like, when it comes to people like Bill Gates, um, there are a lot of very conflicting narratives about who this guy is. And, you know, like, the mainstream medium tries to present him like he is this um, benevolent hero-like figure trying to help guide us through a pandemic. And then you got your Alex Joneses who just think he's the Antichrist. And there's, there's some middle ground when it, when it comes to this. Um, I know that Bill Gates has hundreds of millions of dollars invested in these vaccines, but is he personally gaining from it, or is he giving money to these companies to help provide a service to parts of the world, or is he giving these vaccines to people, you know, for nefarious purposes and not benevolent purposes? Like there, there are like def- the definite um, concerns about how Bill Gates is administering the vaccines and his like stake in Monsanto and his support for GMO modified crops. There's a lot of there. There is a lot of interesting. There's a lot of like oddities about Bill Gates when it comes to like his desire to help the planet. But then when you look at what he's doing to help the planet, it's like GMOs and vaccines are your solution. He's a philanthropist. Yeah. He's just trying to help us. All right. Yeah, he's trying to help. He's a great guy. Yeah. Look at those sweaters. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, look at that sweater, Kyle. You really think somebody that wears a sweater like that would be trying to depopulate the world and <laughs> Jesus Christ. control everything? But this is this is this actually goes back to another reason, and this is why you really shouldn't be a bully. A bully? Yeah. Why? Because, I mean, you don't think Bill Gates got bullied in school? Probably not. He probably would have been given some type of privilege. No. Schooling. Maybe. Privately. I'm just saying. It's like, uh, this could be like his ultimate way to lash out, Kyle. I think Bill Gates and all of them are megalomaniacs. So, and that's been pretty clear with Bill Gates from the beginning that he was trying to achieve power and control and he did it by creating by copying other people's ideas and then infecting them similar to well he he made his billions creating computer viruses and then making tools to fix the viruses that he created with microsoft yeah well his his uh weren't a lot of his ideas taken from uh what's his name steve jobs I, I believe so yeah but i'm not 100 percent. i haven't done like that much i've kind of like i've tried my best to stay out of the Bill Gates rabbit hole because I feel like going down those Bill Gates rabbit holes can just make you lose your fucking mind. Mm. Um, but I do know that like um, in the beginning of the pandemic, everybody was um, everybody like almost every mainstream athlete was trying to tell people to stay home and wash their hands and social distance and do all that stuff. And then meanwhile, everyone in the jujitsu community was fucking talking about Bill Gates. <laughs> Have you noticed that? 
I like. I feel like Tenth Planet's kind of a bubble, so maybe the discourse that takes place within our system is it's a little bit different, <laughs> it's or a, yeah, significantly different, perhaps. But I do think that everybody in the jujitsu community started paying attention when the lockdowns in the gym started closing because it was directly affecting them. Yeah, because a lot of people who do jujitsu need it like as an outlet. Like, like this is a sport full of misfits. Mm. In a lot of ways, right? Like the jujitsu is like an island of misfit toys, and it happens to be a really amazing sport that's super practical and has um, garnered some main a lot of mainstream attention. Um, but that being said, the people that gravitate towards jujitsu are not the same people that gravitate towards football and basketball. It's a little bit different. Yeah, and so it's like finally, you know, when you're in that community, you finally have something where you feel like you're a part of something, you belong. A lot of people do this to get over substance abuse problems or like they have personal issues or they don't feel like they really like fit in in like mainstream society and they have, they find something that belongs to them. And then all of a sudden it's like the government takes it away from you. What Sounds do you think is going to happen? Like life in general to me. Sounds like life in general, but like, you, you compare a basketball player or a football player, those are mainstream sports. So when the, the government and the mainstream media is telling you to do something, people that gravitate towards mainstream sports are more likely to listen to, what, mainstream media? Perhaps. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, like, there's, there's a lot of that. Um, but I did notice that. And um, another, like, just, just to backtrack on, like, The Who and backtrack on, on um, Bill Gates, um, The Who and China are very, like, inner connected with one another and in the beginning the who was telling us not to worry about covid and china was telling people that they had this under control when they didn't have it under control i to the mainstream media about this virus and then all of a sudden they didn't have it under control and it spread globally and then they absolved china they tried to model they tried to use china as a model for handling the pandemic and then they got angry at donald trump because he didn't want to lock down the country mm, yeah so just there was it just felt like there's a lot of like fuckery going on when it came to like how we're doing this and i also think that because of like the mixed messaging and the dishonesty it made people less safe when it came to handling this well yeah we know that it was less safe because nancy pelosi herself was saying come to chinatown you know back right in before March. she told it was in february actually in february she it told was. people to come to chinatown the New York health commissioner told people to go to like Chinatown a little Italy and celebrate, you know, and that not to, um, and not to let COVID interfere with your plans to go out and socialize in large groups. And then, um, now you start seeing videos of all these people that are, that flip the script that tell you to stay home. And then, you know, you have videos of like Pelosi getting her haircut without a mask. You know, you have Gavin Newsom issuing stay at home orders. He's, you know, at, at a large restaurant with a bunch of donors, no masks sitting close together. I think indoors, the mayor of London was outside dining out at a restaurant right when she, right. Like before she closed everything down. It's you know what I mean? Well, and then, I think that it's good that our mayor here would never do anything like that. Oh, really? Like, uh, go to Mexico uh, for his daughter's wedding and then issue a statement about how he might need to reclose while he's traveling in Mexico, disobeying all of his rules, Kyle. <laughs> I don't think we could ever see him do that. Man. Oh no, no. Don't believe what Adler you hear. Is a real hey, straight shooter. Hey, don't believe what you hear in the, uh, in the Austin Statesman, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. God. Um, so let's talk about that. Let's talk about it. Like, yeah, let's, let's talk about that. You know, you have, um, when your city officials and your state officials continually do things that defy their own orders, it, it makes people think that, hey, this virus isn't that serious. 
as it should. That, that's that's what it does. Like that's the message that it sends. And speaking of which, Kyle, a lot of people may not know this, but you yourself actually got COVID. So tell us about that. Yeah. So I was supposed to have surgery on my elbow and uh, went out to LA and they had me do the COVID test and it came out positive. The only thing, the only effect that I had with COVID was I lost my sense of smell for a week and that was it. But I'm young, healthy, so. You're good. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You're young and you're healthy and 94% of the people who get this virus, who get serious complications from the virus have severe pre-existing conditions or generally lead on super unhealthy lifestyles. So once this data comes out, your city officials need to do a, a really like they need to have been doing a much better job of telling people to change their lifestyle so that they don't get as affected by this. You know, until we get more testing, until a vaccine comes around that should be distributed um, amply, but without being mandatory. But th that's what they need to be doing. And then when it came to when at, when it came to like Adler going to this wedding, he issued a statement. And let's read the statement, Kyle. You want to read the statement? Sure. Let's read the statement. I got I got it pulled up on my Twitter right now. Um, every day since March, I repeat that being home is the safest place for people to be. Only at our most trying moments, like around Thanksgiving, have I asked people not to travel as part of extra precautions. Several weeks ago, when my daughter canceled her planned wedding to replace it with a COVID-appropriate, more private ceremony, and when my family traveled, we consulted with health authorities and worked hard to model the kind of behavior I've asked of the community. We were in a lower risk yellow label than now. However, we weren't asking people never to venture out. That's a lie. We ask everyone to be as safe as possible in what they do. My family and I are no exception and will continue to do as I ask of our community. During Thanksgiving and as anticipated for Christmas and the New Year, we should be especially mindful. Thoughts, Kyle? It's just total hypocrisy. Well, He's... <laughs> <laughs> Share with the class. We should be. What is it? We should be especially mindful during Christmas, New Year's, Thanksgiving, and he wasn't at all. He did venture out, and he's made multiple declarations: don't travel during Thanksgiving. So, this is just garbage. And the COVID-appropriate wedding thing. I mean, what does that mean exactly? He's testing everybody. Does anybody actually believe that? No, it, it means nothing. And, and here's the, the, like it's, it's just very hollow. And here's why it's hollow. And it's because, um, if you like, I personally think that it's totally fine to go to dinner and have a wedding and go do things while you're out, like to be out and about with other people and socialize in person. We need to do that for our mental health. If we don't do it, it creates extreme division and it just creates extremism at all levels. Um, and I actually had a conversation with uh, uh, council member Allison Alter in District 10 about coming on the pedicab to talk and she doesn't want to do it because of COVID and health reasons and I'm like well maybe and I respect that and she talked to me for 30 minutes and I, I thought that was awesome that she did that but maybe after the story broke out maybe she'll change her mind and actually come talk to me in person because if our mayor can do it then you know why can't she come talk to me right yeah. um, you know that being said if you're going to do these weddings and you're going to try to model how to like safely behave in a pandemic why don't you, why didn't you just tell us that you were going to celebrate your daughter's wedding and this is what these are the precautions that you took and and tell people the precautions that they should take in order to socialize while being safe like why didn't he just do that initially like that's what doesn't make sense just be honest well it's because he was lying he just went to a wedding and he got caught yeah he was just hoping he wasn't going to get caught 
Well, that, right. that's what that's what it comes across as, um, and it's one of those things where it's like, eventually people have to stand up and say enough is enough, and you have to stand like you have to stand up to these people. Like when when a, an elected official starts acting like a king and a despot, like we as Americans have an obligation by living in this country to not let that happen. So what's the game plan? Like, what do you do? Like, how do you effective, how do you effectively do this? Because you don't want governments to start using viruses as an excuse to relinquish the rights that people have fought and died for, for 200 years. Yeah, hundred percent. I think one historically proven method of dealing with it is civil disobedience. You have any ideas for how we can enact civil disobedience while being respectful to our elected officials? <laughs> I suppose it depends on your definition of respectful to them. Well, I mean, well you have to earn respect. I so. understand. Well, we're putting respectful in quotes in a way that's physically non-threatening to our elected oh, officials. Sure, yeah. You just disregard their supposed orders because at the end of the day, it's not law. You can't lock down an entire city and there have been cases already that have so held that it yeah. was unconstitutional Unco- and you can't like close bars and restaurants or even institute curfews because you institute curfews for these places it's like closing them down it's house arrest it is house arrest so, and, and there's no plan to actually pay people for being home while this is going on you're literally putting people into poverty that's wrong and you got to stand up for that um that being said i think that we should start organizing we should figure out a way to start organizing peaceful protests Right outside our, um, you know, Mayor Adler's a place at the W, and a lot of our, all of our city council members. When you file a campaign finance report, Kyle, your address is public record. Did you know that? Yeah, well, it should be public. Record. Yeah, it's good. So. It's public record. So perhaps if they try to like do curfews or do more shutdowns or try to do stuff like this without a plan to help pay us, I think a campout is in order outside the W, outside you know Greg Kassar's house, outside Jimmy Flanagan's house, provided he. You know, it, like, hopefully he doesn't get reelected, but in case he does, you know, just find every council member who's approving these shutdowns and you just organize campouts. And perhaps we could even start organizing some open mats, you know, right outside, you know, campouts with some open mats. We get a little jujitsu themed, you know, camp out going. Yeah. We, 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 all the guys from the gym, guys from the other gyms, we all bring our tents. We bring some syringes, really create an experience. The, the, we try to mimic the experience that. Our city's enabled. You know, um, toilets are unnecessary. I think that's a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> Just try to replicate how it looks under all those underpasses that the homeless encampments. Yeah, and, we, and we're going to give our city council members a firsthand experience to really start organizing give these campouts. Give them the Austin experience that they've given us. Yes, yeah, so I think a campout in front of all of our elected officials' houses should be something that people start organizing and looking into. Yeah, I agree 100%. I don't know how that hasn't happened a long time ago. I mean, it's, this is the capital city of Texas. It's supposed to be the freest state in the union. I, I think this would be a lot. Well, we're not because our governor is, you know. Well, it's supposed to be. We have a, there's a strong history of rebellion in Texas. There is a strong history. And I think we're about to, we're about to see that history come to light if these orders continue happening, right? So we'll see. Everything is to be determined. But, you know, if they decide to do more closures and do stuff like that. I really want to have a camp out right outside the W and I want to have camp, start organizing camp outs right outside our pro homeless council members, apartments or houses in front sure. of all the neighbors. You should just see if they'll be willing to take some of them in. 
Oh my god, that'd be even better. Yeah, you could just round up a few homeless people and oh, we'll bust them. Ride yeah, we them could... over there. We could, yeah, we could bust them over there and <laughs> just take them to their front door and see if they'll let them in. I'm sure yeah. they will. <laughs> yeah, guys, you look at these guys. Yeah, I have no problems with that. Um, but let's let let's pivot a little bit. Um, so the city also they they you know they de- they defunded <clears throat> the um, police department. Yeah, what's your take on that? Um, I have multiple takes on that. I think that you'll for sure see violent crime go up. Um, I'm a pretty big civil liberties advocate, so I don't like the drug war in general. I don't like the drug war either, yeah. Um, I have sort of mixed feelings on law enforcement. I think that right now it's really important to have them as long as they're honoring their oath to the constitution. So I'm a big advocate of oath keepers, but a lot of them don't, a lot of them just follow orders. So it's kind of a double edged sword having law enforcement and whether or not you fund them more or fund them less. It's difficult to say. It's just, you, you have to have police that are actually going to honor their oath to the constitution, whether or not that's the order that they've been given or not. You can't follow an order that violates people's people's civil rights and people's constitutional rights, their right to work, f- peacefully assemble, etc. That's all being trampled on right now. So it's difficult to get behind law enforcement in a lot of parts of the country right now. I, I agree with that. I do think that um, here in Austin, I think our cops have actually been doing a pretty good job of protecting those rights. Good. Um, at least from what I know, I know when Adler issued a stay-at-home order, I have a couple friends who are cops, and I asked them about that, and they're like, "Yeah, dude, we're not going to be pulling people over for being in their cars and giving people tickets for not being at home. We're not. We're not. That's not what we're going to do. That's not our plan." Yeah, I so, mean, and a lot of it comes down to the sheriff. You know, you have to have a sheriff because that's generally who the deputies are yeah, going to take that, their that, orders from. So I, I think that like they're. Um, I, I think our police have done a pretty good job of doing that. But when it comes to like the bars, that's TABC. Like TABC is not the Austin police department. And if we got to defund anybody, we should be defunding the Texas alcohol and beverage commission. That's who we should be defunding. Yeah. Agreed. It, it, yeah uh, <laughs> but that, that, that's just my opinion. But I think our cops have done a pretty good job of, of upholding the constitution when it comes to stuff like that. I do. Um, I do think that when they defunded APD, if, if you're going to tell businesses that they can't operate, you should be using that money to repurpose it into those businesses so that they can survive. Because yeah, I do feel well, like this is a war on small business. And I think that the, there was a big backlash for defunding. And I think that if they said, Hey, we're putting this money into like the music venues or into like the bars and giving it to our bartenders and our service industry people, I think you would have seen a lot less of a backlash for doing that. I think they should have just given the money back to taxpayers, reduced taxes in some way. I think that's you know? another good idea. They could have done a lot. And like, they did they some took for the money EM- and they moved it to all these social programs that are just going to equate to more drug use, more homeless, more of the problems that we already see. I can see that. I mean, some of that went into EMS and stuff and like fire department, which is good. Right. Um, and for like COVID response, because I was talking to this count, this uh, lady, um, Alter, earlier, and she was explaining some of that to me. But I told her, I'm like, well, you should have put some of that into these small businesses. You would have gotten less of a backlash. And she's like, yeah, you know, that's an interesting take. I'm, I'm, I don't disagree with you on that. Um, but 
so my my take on this on this defunding stuff right is that yeah you're gonna see a lot more violent crime and it's not because our cops are really that good at stopping violent crime because they're not but when you have a defunded police department it'll naturally embolden criminals to commit more crime for sure because now they're even more inept Mm -hmm. so there's there's that um i think there's going to be a lot more of a risk for property crime especially if people are worried about closures and they're worried about like finances and this unemployment stuff you know there's more of a risk for crime to happen as a result of lockdowns. Um, and then I think the last thing, too, is that... I, so I was at these protests, right? And I think that, like, our cops still need to get better at their jobs. And there's got to be a focus on positive police reform. Yeah, well, it's been said, you know, hundreds of times that law enforcement and first responders should be required to have some type of jiu-jitsu training. That's, that, and that's where I was trying to go with you. So, yeah. like, how important do you think that is for our police officers to have at least a blue belt in jiu-jitsu before they become cops? It's extremely important. It's extremely important for any police department to have basic grappling training. Just based on what we've seen, people getting overpowered, losing their weapon, having their taser used on them, et cetera, et cetera. And a lot of these shootings that take place happen because they're not able to effectively restrain a resisting criminal and people get killed. Yeah, it's not good. Um, did you see the George Floyd video? You saw that video, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. If that guy knew how to hold proper side control, George Floyd would not be dead. If it was real. Well, yeah, right? There, there, there are stories about that. But let's say we're assuming it's real for this, okay. for the sake of this podcast. Okay. Um, yeah, they had his knee on his carotid. So. Yeah. For th- 20 minutes. Yeah. I think it was 12. Or some, yeah, 12 minutes. Well, a I saw, long time. So I saw, but I saw the full video where they came up to his car and they immediately you know what the first thing they did when they when they approached the car is they just drew their gun on him right off the bat okay but he was known i think he was known i mean to ha- he had a fucking massive criminal record he did but i mean I think they got a the, call about counterfeiting counterfeit bills yeah okay so yeah you know and they they probably also received a call that he was high on fentanyl because he was yeah, but he was also just scared and did not want to, like, attack any of these guys. He was just scared. Like, if you saw that full video, there was no need for any of that shit. And pulling a gun on him right off the bat, like, you could have just knocked on the door. Like, you have your gun. You could have at least, like, if you have a gun on you, and also if you're well-trained, you're going to be polite before you act like that right off the bat, you know? Chauvin knew him, right? I, well, they, they, they worked, worked at the, the same, same club, club for, like, yeah. 17 years. And they claimed that, that they never saw down. each other. So I don't know about that. Um, I know that the police precinct got uh, burnt down oh, okay. in, in Minnesota. Like, they burnt mm. the precinct. Oh, after. Yeah. Yeah. They burnt the precinct. Okay. And I thought the club they worked in got burnt down as well, and there was some something tied, tied the two of them together. Maybe not. I don't know. I know um, – <clears throat> I know either way, if you knew how to hold proper side control. Yeah, well, yeah, like, for sure. Back to that. I mean, if he had the ability to grapple, it wouldn't have been an issue. He wouldn't have died. And even if he choked him out, he would have let him go right away, knowing that he was passed out. Because have you ever put someone to sleep, Kyle? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh. What happens after you like know that they're asleep? What do you, what's your initial thing that you do? Tie their shoelaces together. Part, well, all right, what do you... <laughs> Yes, but you also have to like let go of the choke and you let them yeah, go before you tie yeah. their shoe. Yeah. yeah. So like initially, like you put someone to sleep. What do you do? You let them go. You let you make sure that they're like okay. You're not trying to kill anybody, right? And 
they're talking about um, not like allowing certain chokeholds and stuff like that for police officers. That's fucking retarded. Yeah, you have to allow people to use strangles. Otherwise, how are you going to effectively incapacitate somebody without putting them unconscious? You either have to hit them in the head, which is way worse, <laughs> or break one of their limbs, or shoot them or tase them. And all that stuff is worse. Getting choked unconscious doesn't do anything to you. No. I mean, if it keeps happening over and over and over again, it could kill you. Yeah, but if you just get choked, or excuse me, strangled unconscious one time, it's not going to be an issue. Especially if they know how to do the choke correctly. Like, if they're doing blood chokes, they're doing rear nakeds, if a cop puts someone in a triangle, if a cop gets a guillotine or a north-south, it's fine. Like, there's... You're not going to kill anybody. You're going to, like, subdue the suspect, and they're going to wake up, and nothing is going to happen. In handcuffs. Yeah. And you just roll handcuffs. them over and put the handcuffs on. Yeah, and that's it. Yeah. The problem is that when, when, you're, when people are not trained properly, they hold the chokes for too long, too. And then that's how you kill somebody. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think that if you start training these guys better, and you have to have at least a blue belt in jiu-jitsu, if you do get into a situation where you're choking at a suspect, you're probably going to be infinitely less likely to... Um, hold that choke long enough where it's going to be deadly. Yeah, for sure. Careers on the line as well. Careers on the line. I think they also got to take out personal liability insurance too for shit like this. Don't the cops have to get tased by their own taser? Yes. They, and they also have to get maced to understand what it feels like. Before they can employ it. Yeah. yeah. That, I think that that's what they should do. Uh, it makes total sense. You have to know how effective it is. Yeah. And I think that if they should allow chokes and the cop has to get choked out to understand what it feels like. You have to fucking allow them to strangle people unconscious. Otherwise... Aside from your taser and your gun, you're going to be, like, hitting them in the, in the head. Or, or shooting them, yeah. yeah. And then look what happened to, like, um, to Jacob Blake. Did you see the Jacob Blake video? Um, yeah, the guy who had the knife in his hand. Yeah. He was going for the, uh, the He was trying the to, like, gun. go into his, into his car. Yeah, but fuck they took that guy. Down. I'm glad they killed that guy. Oh, they should they have shot him, like, 50 they times. They didn't kill. Listen. That guy, that guy raped a 15-year-old girl. If you feel bad for him, you're a fucking loser. I don't okay? feel bad for him, but I want to Not hear you. I want to hear I'm you keep talking. No, no, people keep talking. Go, go, keep talking. And okay. then what? Drew Brees had his name on his helmet. Like, this is some hero. Imagine being raped when you were 15 and then seeing this famous quarterback wearing the rapist's name on his helmet. It's a really gross culture that we live in where anybody feels bad for Jacob Blake. Okay. Fuck Jacob Blake. Sure, sure, but two cops had him on the ground, and he popped right back up. Yeah, that's a problem. That's a problem. If those, if those cops were better trained, and these cops actually had a modicum of wrestling ability, this incident would have never happened, and all the damage and all the looting and all the stuff that happened in Kenosha, Wisconsin, never would have occurred if those cops were properly trained. Yeah, that was the that was the Kenosha incident. That was the Kenosha. Uh, that yeah, was the that aftermath. Was, that of was the Kenosha Jacob Blake. incident. So it's like, and then Kyle Rittenhouse. Then Kyle Rittenhouse comes will through. Be a free man. Well, he's a free man. He's out on two. Oh, that's true. Yeah, he's, he's out, out on, on bail, bail, but totally off the hook. I mean. Yeah, and but, to be honest, he probably is gonna like. I don't see anybody convicting that guy. I hope not. There's some activist judges out there. A lot of them. Though. There are there are some, but I think that this guy has such a good legal team. They he has usually, an excellent. He, legal yeah, team. Lynn Woods is. Yeah, but Linwood's been saying some crazy shit on fucking Twitter, though. Linwood was, uh, if you don't know, the um, attorney for Richard Jewell. And Richard Jewell was accused of the Atlanta Olympics bombing. Falsely accused. Yeah. And this whole media narrative originated behind it where they were all accusing... Richard Jewell. Richard Jewell, and he ended up just being a security guard. And he was nobody, yeah. Found it. yeah and he tried to find him. He was actually did the right thing. And he did help. the right thing. He saved probably a lot, a of, lot people of people because yeah. they started yeah. evacuating them. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so that's Kyle Rittenhouse's attorney, and hopefully he gets him off. He should. He's a really good lawyer. 
Yeah, I mean, I saw the full video, and it's like there's a lot of misinfo about that. And what I saw in the video with with um, Kyle Rittenhouse was I saw this guy Rosenbaum attacking him, and he ran out up to him. He was trying to pull out like the guy was trying to extinguish a car that was on fire. Uh-huh. Um, oh, and I thought, Rosen- uh huh. And Rosen, wasn't uh, Rosen whatever like wheeling a fucking dumpster of fire? He was doing like he something. Started a fire and I don't know if he started it. it out and I don't know if he, he started. A cocktail so him. Rosenbaum had a history of mental illnesses where he would just go crazy and lash out at people. And there was a Washington Post video uh, on the situation where they were interviewing like the, the family of um, Rosenbaum and the spouse and stuff. And even the Washington Post like cast reasonable doubt on whether Kyle was guilty. Do you know what I mean? Like, the Washington Post even was like, yeah, this guy, Rosenbaum, was crazy. Like, he was prone to violent outbursts. And he physically, like, ran up and attacked Rittenhouse while he was trying to put out a fire. So that was the first one. Yeah. And so he shot this guy. Yeah. Right? And then... So did this guy throw a Molotov cocktail at him? No, nobody threw anything at him. No. At uh, at Rittenhouse? Rittenhouse. No, no. Are you sure? That never happened. What happened was was, um, a, a group of people in the crowd saw that Rittenhouse shot somebody. Right? No, and no, they no. Don't know when what? he shot when he shot the first guy. Yeah. He got a Molotov cocktail thrown at no, him. I didn't see that. Well, why did he shoot the first guy? Because the guy was attacking him and charging at him while he was um putting out the fire. Yeah. Oh, okay. I yeah. thought he threw something. No, the guy was attacking him and charging at him while he was putting out the fire and was trying to like grab his gun and stuff like that. Like there, there was things like that. It yeah. wasn't he didn't throw a Molotov cocktail. So the first the first one is the one Rose that doesn't and have videos, as yeah. much footage. Yeah, and then and then the video there was a video prior about this guy saying shoot me, shoot me and getting really aggressive to with everybody who had guns on them. He said All something right. else too. Yeah, he said something else we're not going to repeat it. <laughs> um Yeah, we're not going to repeat that word. But um and then afterwards, you know, the people in the protest, they saw they, they saw this guy get shot, and they have no idea because there are times when, you know, you're at these protests, and there's two sides of it. There are also crazy people that will just shoot protesters and run them over for no fucking reason. You know, like, there's, there's two sides to it. So these protesters could have very easily thought, hey, man, this guy just shot somebody for no reason, and then they tried to, like, they thought they, they could have thought they were honestly being heroes, and they tried to wrestle the gun away from Kyle. And then Kyle, while this is happening, shoots guy number two. And then guy number three had a handgun, um, was going to draw it, and then pulled it away, and he stopped. And then Kyle stopped, and then the guy tried to run at him again, and then he shot him in the arm. So the second guy also hit him with a skateboard. That's the guy that brought him down to the ground. Yeah, that guy hit him with a skateboard, and and then Kyle killed him. Yes. Yeah. And that guy was also a serial domestic abuser. But, you know, that being said, like, nobody knew what would – like, that's not relevant to him being shot. That's just – a side note that he was just a piece of shit human being. Yeah, just uh, something that happened to turn out good from the whole situation. I guess so, yeah. And then the third guy, um, I don't know too much about the third guy. I know he was like a DIY medic, and he had a handgun with him, and he pulled the handgun on Kyle, and Kyle shot him afterwards. But then Kyle also, like in the video, um, exercise, like once that guy stopped running at him, Kyle um, put a, put the gun at him, and then once, then for a second, that guy paused, and Kyle lowered his weapon because he didn't feel like threatened anymore. And then once the guy ran at him again, is when he shot him. So it's like, dude, that guy actually had some like really good trigger discipline. Um, Kyle. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he had great discipline there. I mean, if you have a mob of people which are clearly trying to kill you, one of the guys said, uh, "Cranium him," meaning shoot him in the head. Yeah. They're chasing him down. Not a lot of people would have that much discipline. And it's a 17-year-old kid. It's almost like it's almost like he had 
too good of a discipline. Like something is odd about a kid like that being that disciplined in that situation. Mm. You know what I mean? Like there's something odd about that. So that, that situation in and of itself felt odd. It's interesting. Does that make sense? You think it wasn't happening organically or? I don't know. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to like go off and you know, spat out conspiracies without a basis of fact, but for a 17 year old kid, you know how well-trained a 17-year-old kid has to be? Like, a grown adult wouldn't have that. Like, a Marine might not have that type of trigger discipline. No, I think that'd be all right. Maybe, but that's like, that, that was like very high-level trigger discipline. For sure. And for a, a kid with, like, that's never been in a situation like that before to have that kind of trigger discipline, that's a little, that's a little odd, man. Hmm. It just seems odd. It seems odd. But anyway, the, the, the point that we're making while we're going off on top, like, tantrums about this is that, like, jujitsu training needs to be mandatory for police officers because of, if these cops knew how to grapple and had a modicum of grappling experience, none of this unrest that occurred all summer long would have happened. Yeah, well, I mean, it shouldn't have happened even with the with. I'm the just shooting. saying there would have been no excuse for that. There's no excuse for it regardless. And it was like, no, but it would have never happened. Like, like those guys like, would have never died. This would have never been yeah, in the news. Yeah, like, there, this wouldn't have been, wouldn't have there wouldn't have been an all. incident. That's for sure. These, yeah, so I think... But, like, as far as the looting and the burning, I mean, there's no excuse for that regardless. That's just people taking any opportunity they can to steal shit. And yeah, and, shit. and it doesn't seem like the, the institutions that they're, like, um, attacking have anything to do with oh, what their problems not. are. It's like, and it's like when, they, when things happen in Michigan... When a bunch of people remember when a bunch of people tried to storm the governor's mansion and stuff, and they tried to call them like yeah. terrorists and stuff, and yeah. I'm like, you can't condone that. But at least they were directing their anger at the person it who was, was pragmatic. Yeah, they were directing their anger at the person who was harming them financially and mm. harming them emotionally and harming them psychologically by instituting these unconstitutional mandates. When you're like destroying a small business that has nothing to do with why you're oppressed, there's no reason for it. And even when these guys are like burning down the pre- the precincts, I can't condone it. But it's like at least they're directing their anger at the person that got them angry or the institution that got them angry. And it's just like, all right, dude, um, you have, you know, there's a multitude of issues that you're complaining that that people are complaining about that you have every right to complain about. Like 150 percent, you got every right to complain about these issues. Um, But if you're going to take your anger out on on. somebody that has nothing to do with these issues it undermines the legitimacy of these movements and protests. And I get it. Sometimes people are so mad they just lash out and they they, they just lash out at, at anything because of how angry they are. And there are certain things that we should fix as a result of that. But it doesn't take it away that it, it doesn't take away from the fact that it undermines the legitimacy of these movements at all. Yeah, it for sure does. I mean, I never really gave anyone that was looting or committing arson or anything like that any type of credibility to begin with. But if you're just protesting peacefully, sure, I agree. There's definitely grievances that have taken place that need to be accounted yeah. for. And, I mean, like I said, too, with cops not upholding the Constitution, and we were talking about this, right? If you had a whole army of cops that behave like the Gestapo and arrested people for not being outside their houses or trying to find people or trying to do draconian shit like that, and then a group of activists, God forbid, burnt down the police precinct because the cops weren't upholding the Constitution, like, what, what would your attitude be about that? Um, so, wait, uh, explain the situation again. I mean, it, like the whole cop thing, it's, it's a slippery and dicey slope because like so our they're cops going still around have closing to, down people's businesses, and I can't advocate it for it. Uh, I can't advocate for it, but 
I do think there's a place for vigilantism and things like militias are sort of the uh, the the founding of this country was based on militia movements. So you can't. Yeah. And like I said, you can't support any of this stuff, like where you're burning and looting and destroying people's things at all. And, and, and you don't want to ever support or condone any kind of violence towards anybody. Um, and, and that's especially true. Unless it's defensive violence. Yeah. If you're being attacked, then, and it's you or them, like it was in the Rittenhouse situation, then it's, it's defensive, yeah, defensive violence. Do, do you think it's defensive violence if, like, somebody's telling you that you can't, like, operate your business or operate your establishment or, or like, not actually, or they're preventing you from exercising certain inalienable rights that you have as a result of like a virus, and then you lash out as a result. Is that like defensive violence? I do, yes. I kind of, yeah, okay. I just want to double check to see what page where where you're on page with that. So I don't know. It's it's a it's a it's a slippery like. Um... Yeah, I think it. I sort of equate that to somebody coming through and just taking food off your kid's table. Yeah, it's if wrong. they're not allowing you to operate your business. So, yeah, that's theft in a way. It's theft. Yeah. It, it is theft. If someone's yeah. stealing from you continually, yeah, I'd say you're within your right to use defensive violence against them, whether it's the government or whomever. Yeah. And look, just to reiterate, violence is never an answer for anything. But, I mean, ultimately... Sometimes it is. It's 90% not an answer. Sure. Uh, for the sake of the FBI. A hundred percent, never the answer. Yeah, it's not the answer. Uh, but you also need to do whatever it is in your power to be an or- Like We also need to do a better job as human beings of being organized and communicating respectfully with our local officials and organizing peaceful protests to make it so that we never devolve into senseless violence. For sure. That, that, that's what I think the takeaway is. In getting involved in your in your local politics, that that's important. And um, I like I didn't want to run for city council at all this year, but I felt as though, considering what was happening, I felt like I had no choice. Because if you're silent, you know, like listen, man, like there was um during these BLM protests, they, there was this big sign that said "Silence is violence," right? Remember that? Uh, I didn't see it. Uh, I because I, I was giving rides during those things, and one of the big like um, talking points of the, of these BLM movements is "Silence is complicity," mm. right? Well. If you're going to be silent when um, small businesses and your right to have personal agency can be compromised from you, you're complicit in your own oppression too. And so si- the whole thing about silence being complicity goes both ways. And when a government is telling you that you can't provide for yourself or make a living without paying justifiably compensating for you, that is also an act of violence. And if you're complicit against that, you are also supporting violence. And people need to understand that this is a two-way street when it comes to this. Yeah, I think that uh, communication is key and info is key and staying involved in your local system is very important. Localizing, getting involved in city council like you tried to do, putting your putting your message out there, you know, whether and, you win or lose. Yeah. And even with this podcast, I'm trying to talk to everybody. Like I've talked to people who are super liberal about, about this stuff too and, and tried to like be consistent with my thought process and where I'm going with everything. And I've always tried to stress the importance when it comes to like you know, improving the police departments. Like, we need sensible common sense reforms. Like, they should have EMT certifications. They should all be blue belts in jujitsu. They should all train consistently at least twice a week in order to continue being cops. And I know people like you and Gabe and everyone at the gym and almost everyone in the jujitsu community would probably do this voluntarily and it would cost almost nothing to implement. Yeah, 100%.
you know, like, and we have APD officers at our gym. We do. How, how comfortable do you feel about their ability to not use excessive or deadly force? Oh, very. Our, our, uh, the one that's more my size who I roll with would be totally fine against an untrained assailant. He would be able to restrain him. He would be able to take him down to the ground, get past his legs, and climb off to a strangle and render him unconscious pretty or, easily. Yeah, or just handcuff him and just keep and just sure. calm the situation down. Yeah. Like, yeah, like let's. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, like if they were a, res a resisting opponent. Yeah, a resisting criminal, he would be able to handle it. Pretty Not easily. need to use a gun. No, you know what I mean. No, like, he'd be totally fine. Yeah, um, and then if you're pulling over you over to traffic, how, how a traffic stop? Like, how confident would you be about like our the APD members who train at our gym in terms of their ability to pull you over at a traffic stop and not let it get out of hand? Totally fine. Totally fine, right? Exactly. Yeah. And I think a lot of these cops in the exercise deadly force and excessive force, it's because they're nervous, man. Like they're just not confident in their abilities a lot of that's what a lot of it has to do with um yeah well i think a lot of it has to do with that some of the time it's just they're about to get a gun pulled on them like the jacob blake case for example. yeah there's that but at the same time if they had better grappling ability he would have never gotten up wait didn't he have a knife though i thought he had a knife in his hand maybe but they still let him up while he had a knife in his hand like they could have the two guys were on top of him. They could have taken that knife from him. Oh, okay. I just saw I saw the end of it where he was walking to the car and they were trying to pull Yeah, I, I did see it. I, I saw a knife in his hand. And the knife does change the ballgame. But there were two cops and one person. And um, I don't know. They, they, it just seemed like if they were better trained, they could have handled that better. For sure. I'm not, not excusing it, you know, but um, they should have been better trained. That's all. They should have been better trained. No one can argue that they should have been better trained. Mm. Um, so that's that, that, that's what we got to do. And I think ultimately there's got to be a pack. Like somebody has to start a pack or a political organization, like fighting for police reform. You know what I mean? And it becomes like you know, and you show your support and love for the law enforcement that, and you show appreciation for them, like holding up the Constitution and doing their job and protecting our liberties. But you also make it clear that. In order for them to actually do this effectively, there are certain non-negotiable things that need to happen for that to be the case. And one of those things is mandatory jujitsu training, mandatory EMT certifications, um, personal liability insurance, stuff like that. You know, and I think that if 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 they're like if a pack were to get started like that, I think it could really exert a lot of influence and change policing in a very positive manner. That'd be awesome. Hopefully, we get it going here in Austin. I, you know what? It might be a it might be a new project that I might try to work on and figure out what's happening. But I think fighting for police reform, like that's really got to be the main. That's going to be the main thing, Kyle. But anyway, uh, we've probably been talking for close to an hour, right? It's been a while. Uh, Kyle Bohm, thank you for uh, for stopping by on the pedicab. How can people get a hold of you? I'm on Instagram, Kyle Bohm, 10P. Other than that, just stop by 10 Planet Austin, Texas. And if you're in law enforcement, you get what? Like, what, what, what do our law enforcement yeah, officers get? Uh, we have a discounted, discounted rate for our law enforcement. I'm not sure exactly what the percentage is, but it is discounted. Nice. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring that up. I'm going to tweet about that. Hopefully some cops can show up for this. Awesome. All right. Kyle, thank you. Oh, thank you. We're shaking hands. Don't worry about COVID. You already got it. You're good. That's right. All right.